there's this person laying on the ground and somebody comes in like, Hey, what are you doing? The person on the ground is like nothing. And then the standing person is like, you want to go catch a movie? The person on the ground is like, I said, I'm busy. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 125 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm a lifetime learner. I'm Sam and I've been <laughs> binging on video games this week. And uh, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is November 20th, 2017. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen in this show, there will be profanity, and then there's going to be other stuff. So if you're a child, get out. Let's get started. All right. All right. What's been going on this week? We have some news. Sam is now a video game luminary of Forbes 30 under 30 mm-hmm. list. Yep. So pretty sweet. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, so you did it. That came out on uh, on Tuesday this week, the 30 under 30 list, which is really weird to be on. But there we are. Um, and we ended up, you know, people are like, how are you guys going to go celebrate? We went and got sandwiches. We we got sandwiches. That's the appropriate level. I, mean, of I got luxury, soup. but I guess Adam my, got, my soup, soup had a bunch of bread in it, so it was kind of like it was kind of like a liquid sandwich. Yeah, it's um, a sandwich you can really just drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we took the team out, got some sandwiches. Um, but the best part about it, I think, is just the it's always entertaining because for me as the youngest brother, this is the fact is that so essentially then I get to be the the front the youngest front piece. Of this front piece <laughs> of this tribe brain of situation, uh, so it's just the fact that I'm the one who's under thirty. Is, I, is I a, just turned the differentiation in so, April. Yeah, so Seth missed it by an inch. Uh, and there were a couple other people who were, if they're co-founders, and they give it to both of them, like it sort of in one wow. go. Um, but you guys are just too damn old. You should have gotten started sooner, like I did. You know, well, I think you're also more public <laughs> facing. I am yeah. than uh, that's true than we are. So. So you're more, just more visible. A little more visible, but I think um, that's by design. Yeah, yep. it is. Yeah, I don't, don't want to be visible. Sam has the dashing good looks and gregarious personality. Yep. There it is. And Adam and I are kind of like cave trolls. We just kind of, <laughs> we kind of hunker down in the back and yep. we're like, tinker, we tinker with little machines <laughs> right. in the back of the And cave. we look at people, we're like, you're not code. Get away from Get me. away. Yeah. You're messy. And then the funny part about that, of course, is, is that to the outside world, then you get, the company ends up getting represented by a person. Right. This this tends to be, I think they refer to it as like a brand ambassador or something like that. It tends to be the case with a, a lot of big companies. Brand ambassador. A brand ambassador, if you will. Yeah. Um, so Steve Jobs is a good example of that, right? Someone who's like, he didn't actually do everything, but everyone right. sort of like heaps it on him. He did he yell at people. He did yell at people. That was one of his things. Uh-huh. He was very visible. Uh, Apparently he had a favorite phrase, which is, your work is shit, <laughs> which he would tell people when they didn't do a very good job. That's great. You know, very motivating. I feel like <laughs> it's a good management style. Get that on a t-shirt. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is interesting because these these awards are. I mean, I think it's this is the first award that we've gotten as a studio that I think it will be very very useful, and it's already sort of proved to be so because it. They, basically, what happens is you get patched into be connected with everybody else who's on that list, which just happens to be a bunch of people who are just like kicking a bunch of ass, right? So. If now, if we want to say go into esports, or if we want to say have a conversation about, I don't know, some if, if we merchandising want to, or whatever else, yeah, if we want to become esports, if we want uh, to do that, then yeah. we can be esports now. Yeah, then we sort of are patched into this this community, <laughs> which is neat. So, um, but I not, think most importantly, we talked a while back on the podcast about how when one of our first GDCs, we saw Ashley Birch there from the YouTube mm. channel. Hey, Ash, what you playing? Yep. Also, the voice of Tiny Tina in Borderlands. Uh-huh. She's also on this list. And we were starstruck at the time. So now finally we have a common thread. 
where say, we can hey. say, hey, we're both on this list now. <laughs> yep. And then we have, a, we have a thing to talk about. So now we don't get butterflies and run away <laughs> the next time we see her. Yep, got to have that common thread. That's mm-hmm. right. I'm still scared, but. Yes, yeah, terrifying. <laughs> it could be a mean, it's, courage. It's tiny Tina. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so that's really cool. Um, and we're excited to kind of see what it means. Yeah, that's always the question with these things because most awards we found are, are not useful in and of themselves. They're useful sort of you later. Get, you got to use them. Yeah. So now I can like I can put that in my signature. I can be like Forbes thirty under thirty gaming yeah. luminary. Yep. So now maybe when I send an email to press people, they'll be like, I'll read this. Yeah, the problem is they have to read it first to exactly. see your signature. You can't open with that. <laughs> you, can, you can just every subject line for our emails going out from now on could just start with Sam Forbes Luminary. <laughs> you could change your from email. B-Scotch says yeah, you could change your email. You know, name that shows up. Forbes Ooh, 30, yeah. the thirty eight butterscotch. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You could, you could legally change your name to Forbes thirty under thirty. It's true. And then your middle name is Sam. Yeah, Coster. Yeah. Well, it's weird. Where, yeah, you can't. You you need to be able to use it to make it useful, but it's weird to use it because it's like a. They made it very long, also. Yeah, yeah but it, I mean, I think it's because even if you don't think it actually means something that much, because we because we know about the sort of arbitrariness of the of the, the system. Words, yeah. yeah, so we know like on the one hand, only people who are kicking ass are considered, but not everybody who's kicking ass Correct. is yeah. considered, right? So so there's a there there's a level where it do, it is meaningful on one level, but also arbitrary on another it is definitely arbitrary especially considering that last year would have made a lot more sense mm-hmm. to get this this year we haven't really done a lot that's Correct. public facing true i don't know what happened this year i think it was the gdc <laughs> talk would be my guess oh yeah Probably, yeah. yeah it was a gdc talk oh speaking of gdc more talks, visibility yeah more good visibility. segue hey we have two talks officially accepted into mm-hmm. gdc for uh next year so we've been we we submitted like a jillion. Mm-hmm. Um, so now uh, I'll be giving a talk on uh, bottom-up game design, which is the kind of game design that we do. Um, essentially, it basically just means you don't know what the fuck you're doing, and you just put until you have done this, and you mm-hmm. just put stuff in the game, and then later you're like, the game's done. Yep. So that's how we make games. <laughs> um, so I'm talking about giving it's a design talk by about chaos. Is that what's the called? talk is called Design by Chaos. Uh, because for people who demand a lot more structure, it's going to feel pretty fucking Weird. wild. Yeah. Um, so that's what my talk is about. And then Sam. Yeah, mine's about uh, about marketing. So how to how to take your game and actually sell it. And also mainly about how to not waste your time doing stupid things. So Did they accept the new title? The, they accepted the new title, yeah. So the, the original title was Snake Oil. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that we're selling goods for that don't actually have a purpose. Okay. Yeah. Well, they have a purpose. Well, but they don't. They don't. They, they don't, don't solve any. Problem, they're not required. Right? They're not required. They're not required yeah. for survival. And yeah. there are thousands of competitors. A lot of which hundreds of thousands are also f- you know free. I would say video games are kind of like ketchup in that they're not strictly required, but they, they make, are fantastic. They but make now imagine, better. yeah. But now imagine going to buy ketchup, and there are a million versions of ketchup, yeah. and most of them are free, and most of them are free. Yeah. So yeah. we're selling, that's what we're selling. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the original title, but, but after uh, talking with Adam Seth about it, it was, you know, snake oil is generally used in a negative sense to talk about you being sort of a charlatan, right? That you're and actually, lying. yeah, snake oil is you're selling something that actually is just not, that you should it's not, selling. you're actually just lying about Correct. what it is. Right. Yep. Yeah. Whereas. Though, that is what marketing is all about. Kind of. <laughs> it's about, it's about creative lying so that you aren't. I don't think you it's aren't about, fully lying, no, Adam. It's you about, know, it's about finding the truth that people care about. That's what. It's about. 
<laughs> but yeah, so uh-huh. the talk is now yeah. called uh, Marketing Judo, How to Sell Your Indie Game. And the whole but idea... They didn't, they didn't take the, the real title. What was the real one? Marketing Judo, How to Suplex Your Game into a Pile of Cash. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was after one of the writing sessions. Uh, got a loose. They didn't take it? <laughs> oh, man. No. I would love to have that be the time. How to suplex your game into a pile of cash. Is suplexing yeah. a thing that comes from judo or from wrestling? I think it's wrestling. But, you know, mixed metaphors, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, you know, you, the, it's really about the sort of feeling mm-hmm. of the title. My favorite, my, the thing I'm most excited to talk about, uh, besides a few of the sort of interesting bits we've learned, is actually just to tell people to quit being on Twitter. That's just, yeah, it's going to be... I think every opportunity we have to be public-facing is really just us... Trying to bring down Twitter, mm-hmm. yep. you know. Well, I mean, it's useful. It is a useful thing, but not in the way people think. Like you just quit shouting into the void. Just stop yep. it. It's useful in the same way that email is useful, in that you can send people direct messages on it. Correct. But you can that just is, do that with email. Yep, that's true. That's yep. true. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, so that's happening. Uh, and then Sam and I are, are working on putting together talks for his Uruguay conference we're going to mm-hmm. in early December. So. Lots of talking. Lots of talking. And Adam keeps submitting talks to GDC about process improvement, tools development, and web development. Yep. And they're always like, nah. They don't want any of that. My favorite part about it, though, is if you, when we went to their unsubscribe page, and it's just like broken. Yeah. It's broke as yeah, Everything is like filled with undefined. And I'm like, maybe you guys maybe you should, should let maybe. Adam start <laughs> go through because maybe this is a thing you should care about. This is silly. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's interesting. We've talked about this before about what GDC is for. And I think it is true that on as a, on a professional level, it is for networking. Um, but it sort of, it does, it feels like it, it's it's peddling the dream of being a game dev. And what I mean by the dream in particular, not necessarily the, the sort of down to earth, like nuts and bolts of how to do it. Uh, when we look at talks like the process oriented ones, the tool oriented ones that do offer sort of a different bend on how to really effectively make games and move forward. Uh, we've never gotten any of those in before. Yeah. Um, and think like the stuff that we think is the most important that people know have always been rejected yes. as GDC talks. Yep. Which is interesting. So maybe it's a marketing problem. I don't know. I think we just have to wait until like, power be. gets bigger. And then well, and I think the, the tools talks that they tend to, cause they do have, have kind of a tools uh, sort of section mm-hmm. of, of the talks that are given, but they're all focused on tools specifically used for making some aspect of a game. Right. So there'll be some, it's usually like QA related or, yeah, but it'll be, it'll be very specific. So mm-hmm. they'll say like, here's, here's how we solved our specific problem is kind of the, the way they're done. Um, and, uh, and most of what, what, most of what I've been submitting is stuff that's sort of a more higher, a higher level thing of just what are tools? What's the point? How do you approach this from, you know, from a conceptual level, uh, which seems to just to be, it's less of telling a story. And I think stories are what you sell when you're giving talks. Yeah, well, I think that that is true because my talk was just about how we design our games. Yep. Just period. And they came back with basically saying, yeah, it's cool and everything, but just talk about Crashlands. Crashlands. Yeah, Yeah, just talk about Crashlands because, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the one that people So once we have a very visible tool that that people can believe is going to do something really powerful and and stuff, you know, or actually not not even that, not that they'll believe that it has, but that actually has done something really powerful. Uh, in a very clear way, and then giving a talk about that specifically. Then not, the door will be open for you to that's give That's going to be the thing when they finally, yeah. Not to say that that's in the cards, but nope, it's totally in the cards. <laughs> <laughs> we got it working two days ago. We got it working. What yep. is it? Can't talk we'll about talk it about it later in a GDC <laughs> talk. Yeah, in, in two years. In two, years. In two, two years. GDCs. Because remember, everything... 
So I'm laughing now because I'll be mm-hmm. giving a talk. I'll be giving a talk about how we designed Crashlands in GDC 2018. And we launched Crashlands in January 2016 yeah, and started later. designing it in two years earlier. December 2013. Right. Yep. Yes. So there's this there's this saying that I think is very feel, It feels more true now than ever, which is anything you're hearing about it in GDC is at least three years old. Because mm-hmm. the person has to do it. It has to be proven successful enough to get known, and then they have to get it into the next available GDC right. submission timeline, which is six months prior. So God forbid you do something interesting like now. Or yeah, yeah right now, <laughs> basically, right? Because all the submissions are closed. Because it's closed. Right. You won't be in there so until 2019. <laughs> Maximum amount of time. Yeah. So, uh, which is another important point, uh, which is a lot of the stuff at GDC talks is is out of date or just generally nonsense. But I think uh, that's probably why they focus on stories because stories can yeah, be out of date. And you, you can you can still, still interesting and yeah. you get some takeaways from it. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but especially with tools and stuff because tools, you know, and this is true of you know web development in general. Uh, the programming languages and the preferred tools and stuff those change just like every year. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. true. And uh, and that's true for 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 tools in general because those are always made for specific reasons for right. to sit on top of software to solve some infrastructure problem and and those are usually those usually have a very short shelf life mm-hmm. and so I can I can but but to me that's then more of a reason to talk about tools to in talk general. about the philosophy of tool yeah. development not specific things right but but again I think you just need in order for somebody to care enough to give you a platform to talk you need something very visible that is clearly one of those I got things. it hmm. I got it. We need we need to come up with a tool of the year award. Ooh yeah! Is this like a does this go to a person? <laughs> this is no. This is like this is like it's like a game Isn't of the this, year. This is like the game of the year award, except people submit tools that they've tools. developed ah. that they've developed to help them with game dev or with software development, right? Mm. And they talk about what it does and what problem it was meant to solve. Right. And then you have different Sounds cool, but then we'd have to sort through all that stuff. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of work. Oh, no, we just come up with the idea. And you know, we're, the, we're, we're, like, we're just idea it. guys, you know? Right. Yeah. Somebody else can, somebody <laughs> yeah. else can do it. Um, so maybe when you, maybe uh, like when we talk to people from DICE or from like the mm-hmm. GDC Game Developers Awards, we can be like, you know, you guys, you got to do this. Mm-hmm. And then they can do it. A tools then they, category. Then yep. obviously they pay us royalties because we're the idea people. That's how right. ideas work. That's yep. how it works. Uh, all right. So also we had this past week, we had, a, we invented a holiday. Mm-hmm. An office holiday. Because we, because everybody's probably going to be gone around Thanksgiving. Also, everybody's from all sorts of, you know, backgrounds. Every, yeah. We, we have people from all kinds, all over, all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And we, that's going to continue to be the case. The problem is if you just like, if you just hijack an existing holiday, then you're kind of still celebrating that holiday in some ways, right? Yeah. So we're like, can we just, kind of like in video games, right? Yeah. You make up your own holiday. So we made up a holiday last week. It's called Meat Peace Ween. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it has the festivity of Thanksgiving where you gather around the meat piece. Many meat pieces. And eat the meat piece. Mm-hmm. Um but of course we had a lot of, we had vegetarian options as well. Sure. You know, it's just, it's the spirit right. of, the, of the concept. Um, and it's it's between Thanksgiving and Halloween, which is where the ween part comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's also it's just a sort of it's we want to celebrate the idea of giving, but we don't want to actually give gifts. Yep. So yep. we put we put decorations around that look like presents. <laughs> basically, of fake presents. But yep. we basically <laughs> took a bunch of boxes. T- Tifa and Monique pioneered this concept. Yep. 
Take a bunch of boxes, wrap them up to look like presents, but they're just boxes <laughs> yep. with wrapping paper on them. So it sort of, it almost had like a Christmas Well, there were also some, some Christmas sock things, whatever you call those, you know, the stocking, the stockings, stockings. Christmas yeah. stockings, Christmas sock. Christmas yeah. Socks. So, so we kind of amalgamated, <laughs> socks. we amalgamated yeah. the sort of commercial side of Christmas, but without actually, bo- you know, boosting the economy in any mm-hmm. reasonable way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we did that. We we got the meat piece, and we got uh, just sort of the timing of Halloween. I think in the future we'll need to get some skeletons in there. I think it'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so probably we could take like some skeletons and like put Christmas stockings on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And maybe like a Santa hat yep. or Santa something. Hats. Yep. Um, and then meat the skeleton can hold like on one hand it can be holding like a turkey, on the other hand it can hold like an empty present. You know. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's Sparky, the meat piece wean skeleton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it was really good. And the best part is we did it potluck style, so everybody brought their own dishes. And man, that is part of that is one of the requirements. Mm-hmm. Meat, peace, yeah. wean. No, but it's, this isn't like a, oh, you go to your family's house and they're cooking for you. No, you bring something. With you, you bring, bring a meat piece. You bring. You're it. cooking for the people. Yeah. So everybody, this is a people's holiday. We brought so much food, and it was shocking because I think the entire butterscotch crew can actually like collectively can cook well. Uh, and while I think us individually, the three of us brothers in particular. Can't necessarily cook well. Our partners happen to be able to cook very well, and I can follow directions. And I Though can't usually, you. I need. So I, I made some sort of uh, what even was it? Some sort of interesting coleslaw that had like some fruit in it, and I had to kind of I had to cook the the dressing that you put on it because I had, mm. had to cook some flavor into it. You know, so there's mm. all things I've never done before, or even thought about. But I was I was talking to Jenny. She's like, "What are you going to bring for this thing?" I was like, "I don't know. I'm just going to throw a salad together." She's like, "Oh, what kind of salad?" And I was like, there "There's kinds." <laughs> And uh, well, then you look it up, you know. You yeah, well, was, yeah, but then, what kind she was of like, salad? She was like, maybe some kind of a slaw or some kind of. She was like listing other things, and I, I just said, I don't, I don't know what any of this means or <laughs> or how to decide. And she said, Well, what you know, what's everybody else bringing? And so I, I opened up the list and went through kind of what was going on, you know. And she's like, oh, she's like, oh, this is gonna be very heavy kind There's of stuff because everybody's just bringing meat because it's, it's meat piece wing. Yeah. And so, so she's like, you're gonna need something really, you know, kind of light, and uh, and she used some other words related to how it should how it should feel should have like uh, it's hang kick. It's, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I was like, again, I don't know how to, I don't know enough things to know what that you got means, no context. You know? Yeah. I don't have, I don't have, right. any, I don't have sufficient context. Just throw a dart at a salad, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was what I, which is what I would normally do. Just yeah. kind of look up salad and then try to find something that looked interesting. Uh, but so she pointed out a good recipe and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just make this thing, you know? So got all the stuff and I started putting it together and all these things kept on happening where I was like, I don't, I don't know what the right why. move is here. There was stuff like, you know, cut cut a mango into strips. And so I like get this mango. I'm like, this should be very straightforward. But I've actually never just opened up a mango before. And so I <laughs> open the thing up and it's just like, you know, it's a gooey fucking yeah. mess with a giant <laughs> hard seed pit. in the middle. But but unlike other things where you can just take it off the pit, the pit's just part of it. You know, yeah. so everything's it's just in there. It's just in there and you can't see it. And yep. so, so I'm trying to, I'm like, how the fuck do you cut this in the strips? <laughs> and I got to Google that. Yeah. And so and Jenny's just like, just let me just do that. <laughs> you just uh, stay away from the mango. Yeah. So she was making her own thing and then coming in and fixing the stuff that I was struggling mm-hmm. with. Pretty yeah. Hard. I'm very good at following directions. I made some, uh, some cookies the day before meat piece wean. Mm-hmm. I realized I didn't, so I was going to bring them to meat piece wean, but then ate them they, all instead. well, no, I ate them afterwards. So they, <laughs> they, they had to sit for 24 hours, which I've Why? never, I've never allowed any of this is called resting. I've never allowed any of my food to rest. Yeah, Jenny's always eat wanting it. to rest meat and stuff, and I'm like, I don't, I don't believe this. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it. But it is something that happens. I've been watching a lot of these cooking shows, right? 
Yeah. And they do it all the time. Do, have, do you put them on little pillows and I don't like know what little, I don't know what it is. Blanket up. And they just over. get to sit there and feel good. But yeah, so I, I made this dough, and it was the first time actually. It was the first time I've done two things in my cookie dough. One is rest it, so I just put it in the fridge by itself for a day, um, and then the other one was actually whipping the liquids together first into like a like a whip. Really, just like getting some air in there. Yeah, like I whisk the shit. What out. kind of whipper are you using? Nine tail. Okay. <laughs> I used a whisk. Actually. Just a bull whip. I, just, I guess whip. just crack it. Crack, <laughs> crack the shit. Yeah, crack the whip it. on it. So, <laughs> but both of them by far the best cookies I made. So obviously you got to whip them. That's the secret. Yeah, but but was it because you did two new things? You just said. Yeah. So you gotta, was it the resting or was it the, the point? Whipping? Is who cares? I bet it was the whipping. It was Although whipping. I will say I had an aged steak for the first time in my life. Aged steak's fucking good. A while back. Yeah. And. Woo! That's a that's what? a whole different meat. But they, but they left that different... deal. But they didn't let that rest after it cooked. Oh, I guess they might have also. But that was more about you just take the meat and you just let it rest. You just you let just, the meat rest. You just kind of let <laughs> it rot for like yeah, a year. Just, it's basically rotting. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so it kind of just kind of breaks apart a bit. Well, I was laughing decaying. because I don't like I didn't understand. Like I don't. I still don't really quite know what's chemically happening to the meat, but. The waiter kept coming by and he was talking about, and he's like, we age our steaks longer than any other place in St. Louis. Which sounds bad. I'm like, so you, so you just left it out. Yep. You just left the meat out. Like, yeah, we have a They pile. left it in the fridge, though. Yeah, probably. We got a pile of rotten steaks down there. We just got, <laughs> it is the oldest pile of rotten steaks. <laughs> we just it, brush off the maggots. You know, <laughs> just throw it right on the grill. the grill. Yeah. Yeah. So it but didn't seem appetizing. This is your thing, though, right? Because I, I think about this with regard to our game dev stuff too, right? There's plenty of times early on, especially where we were doing stuff and you just sort of like something works and you do You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea why it's working, yeah, yeah. but it's okay. Like you don't have, you actually don't need to know. You can start. Well, but it also, that thing might not be the thing that's working. It might be something else you also did. That's like true. if you whipped it and rested it, mm-hmm. you don't know which one of those two. <laughs> or maybe it's the combo. And it might maybe be it doesn't combo. work unless you do yeah. both. Right? You can't, you can't know until you do some science. Or maybe. But who's got time for science? Maybe there's a, my fucking cookies. Maybe there's a third thing that you're totally missing that would make it even 10 times better than Probably. that. You know, yep. that you got to whip it, then you got to rest it, then you got to wrestle it for like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, get in there. You got to really get, get in there. Real punching. <laughs> get in there, those cookies. You got yeah, to It could also them. be that actually none of those things matter, but mm-hmm. except for the time part. And mm-hmm. so when you're over there, like whipping those things, it's actually just that's a good time for you to wait a while before you like add the next thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I remember that actually it was kind of interesting because we, I was hearing about this. I can't remember what that, where it was, but there, there's this kind of, we have this belief that people back in like the dark ages and stuff were doing all kinds of weird nonsense when it came to medicine. And they were without a doubt. Sure. But one of those, one of those pieces of nonsense was that they were always reciting uh, things from uh, like, you know, Bible-esque kinds of things. They're or, basically or trying whatever. to cast spells. Well, exactly. it, sounds like kind of, it sounds like they're casting spells as they're, as they're mixing things and, and putting, you know, medicines together and stuff. Uh, but it actually sounds like the reason that they were doing that was as a timekeeping mechanism. Mm. They weren't, actually doing it as a way to it's like when they're it like it sounds like they're casting a spell but what they're actually doing just waiting is waiting so and they're using it's, it as time it's kind of like make. how now they're like when you go wash your hands you sing the happy birthday song to yourself yeah right it's exactly so it'd that. be like yeah. if, if in a hundred years they're like it was crazy they were so dumb they thought singing happy birthday would cleanse their hands <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> what a bunch of dumbos but clean-handed dumbos the interesting part of that is that if you don't know if you don't know about that connection and then wait a long enough time where that where that connection right. is not explicitly made anymore because then because it sounds like that after that initial round of kind of doing things that way then there came up this whole generation of people who actually thought that that was required to properly make the medicine. 
But it was. So who cares? But it was exactly. So right. it still worked as a consequence. <laughs> it but was now, required. But now they thought the reason that that it worked was because it of the was. words themselves, not because of the time that it took. Which, to be fair, is way cooler than oh, yeah. just waiting. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think. If, but isn't it interesting <laughs> if if we have a whole body of of sort of like fantasy literature and stuff and, and this whole idea mm-hmm. of like magic systems and things, if all of these actually stemmed from the fact that somebody needed a way to keep time so 600 like, years ago. <laughs> I yeah. need to sing happy birthday to myself. Because <laughs> they didn't have clocks. They didn't have, they clocks. Were, they have wristwatches. You know, yeah. they just yeah, recited sundials. incantations. Yeah, Games sundials are, aren't good for a few seconds. Though, they're also not very good indoors when you're cooking. There's also... <laughs> You know, I had an account of yeah, it's a good, it's a fair They're point. also not good during the Industrial Revolution when the sky was black. Also, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, also, it was a very dark time. Was, they called it the Dark Ages. <laughs> they did. Well, that was the... Well, actually, they did, yeah. Yeah. Part of it, anyway. Uh, the Dark that, Ages went until, I think, 1972. Like, and, then we, I think, and then we got back in them. Then, we, then, it was 19, then it was like 1972 and a half. Yep. We got back in it again. You just yep. need a little bit of light every so often to keep... Just a little bit. But I think I think next year we should definitely try to bring in. Uh, we should try to spread the spread the mirth of meat piece ween yeah. next year. So yeah. we'll, we'll probably do a little bit of a run up to it next we'll, year. So yeah, we'll need some documentation about how to how to properly perform. We'll also need to come up with some meat piece ween lore, kind of t- explaining the history and origins of. Mm, we should have an incantation. Yep. We need that to involve it, something <laughs> about waiting. Maybe yep. you just like make some coffee in a French press, and then you have to say an incantation that lasts two minutes. Yeah, so the, the meat piece ween French. Pr- French traditional press. French press post dinner coffee incantation. There yeah. you go. Yep. Yeah. So you got to do easy. that. We got to, <laughs> I mean, we got to make up some traditions here, right? It's fine. So also, Thanksgiving is coming up this week. So if you do do that in the US, if that's your thing, uh, then you could do that. Enjoy also. it. Enjoy we'll doing it. We're not making turkey though. And we're Are also we? not, we're not celebrating history. No, we're, we're just, just being, we're just being thankful and together. Yep. Yep. So we're just, it's a forward-looking kind of a yep. thing. Yep. So, um, and then one last piece of news is we've got a Cyber Monday sale. Sale. That's on Monday, uh, which is Cyber Monday. Yep. It's we're gonna have a ten percent off select bundles in the Butterscotch merch store, which is at shop.bscotch.net. And there's going to be, as I understand it. A limited edition Crashlands collectible item mm-hmm. with every purchase. Yeah. So it's a card. Just to specify item. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's an item. It is an item. Uh, yes, yeah, so we got these little cute collectible cards. And there's, I think we have four different designs. But there's one of them you can only get during the Cyber Monday thing. Will it be so available for future Cyber Mondays it also? Will, it will be for future Cyber Mondays and then every so often when we throw the vault open, as they say in Disney. Um, yeah, sort of like the McRib. You yep. know, we're going to bring it back. Bring it back. Yep. But yeah, so <laughs> but it is going to be covered in sauce, which is... It'll be disgusting. So you're going to want to get in on it early <laughs> so you don't have a card that's covered in sauce. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's get on <laughs> to some questions. Let's go. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question on a future episode, get over there and put your question in the box. First question comes from Menelius. Hey. Hey. So I think you guys snuck in a new intro. We talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Mm. Snazzy. Love you guys. Keep it up. <laughs> we did. Menelius loves the new intro. We snuck it in there. Just squeezed right under Apparently the door. Apparently we're that sneaky, though. So people noticed. noticed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so we realized, you know, we're trying to promote the podcast, um, but we realized that if somebody's coming into it fresh, like if they just opened up Pocket Casts or mm-hmm. something, they're just like, oh, what's this? And they popped it open. And if all we say is, we're butterscotch shenanigans, 
what the fuck does that mean if yep. you don't already know, right? Mm-hmm. And if we say this is a game dev comedy podcast, what the fuck does that mean? Right, because then people are like, because then sometimes we spend the first 20 minutes just talking about life. Now we're often. And people actually. are going to be like, I came here for the game dev. I don't know why, what is this. Yep. And sometimes we get real serious and they're like, I came here for the comedy. Yeah. Yep. And so we got to make sure that we just, you know, we, we, we got to prime the pump mm-hmm. of people's brain lobes yep. so that they're ready to absorb the, mm-hmm. the pod. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's why that happened. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad people think it's snazzy. I shouldn't say people. I'm glad Mano Luce thinks mm-hmm. it's snazzy. Yep. Yeah, we got a sample size of one here. I like to think that somehow he is representative of the entire population of people who both can and do listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Next question <laughs> comes from giant muskrat. My guess is that the average age of your fan base will be approximately the same as time goes on because of the style of game you make. Mm. How will you deal with that as you get older? How will you stay in touch? Will your games uh, trend to an older audience as you age? So I think this is an important point here, which is he's assuming that we're going to always make the same style of game. Mm -hmm. Or that we even have done that. Yeah. And I think, have we? I I don't know. Kind of. Kind of. It depends on what aspect of the style has some sort of an age correlation. They've gotten a little more mature over time. So what's the average gamer in general? It's like 34? 34, something like that. Something like that? Uh-oh. Yeah. We should, we should probably we look. We don't really deal in demographics. We should probably be looking at medians anyways. Yeah. yeah. It's something around 34. Yeah, because some, some people can be a million years old and they skew... They skew the average of. Yeah, and we also know that nobody under the age of 13 plays our games. Correct. Because of COPPA. Right, it's technically against the rules. Well, no, they can play the game, they just can't. They can't use B-Scotch ID, ID, which means we can't know that they exist. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, because that's a thing. So if you are under 13 in B-Scotch ID. Get out. No, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. You lied. Well, yeah, I think, you well, lied because you're actually 13, presumably. Well, this is an yeah. interesting question, though, because I think there there is this... What what does it mean for your tastes to change as you get older in this particular yeah. domain? I, right? yeah, I don't think that's Zelda. true. I don't I think, think it's Zelda yeah, or yeah. Super Mario Odyssey, right? Yep. Just ridiculous, fun things. Um, Zelda hasn't actually like gotten more serious over time. It's uh, had some serious... It's had some serious moments. Moments, but also, like, Toon Link was a thing yep. like, a couple years ago. Like, there's... There's bits and pieces here, and the question is, is it the case that, you know, with Super Mario Odyssey or whatever else, any of these games that are, that do pull, pull more on just almost pure Play, just like playfulness, joy, yeah. Do, are, are those actually sort of age No, bracketed? I don't think so. So is our stuff age bracketed? No, I think- I think I, you have to be able to read really effectively. Yeah, that is that's so, part of our demographic requirements, right. being able to read. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's about it, though. I, I don't know. I, I think if people are now in their like late 20s or early 30s and are playing our games, I'm really skeptical that they'll be they'll, they'll turn, you know, 40 and we'll come out with a new game and they'll be like, those days are over for me. I'm 40 mm-hmm. now. I don't I don't dabble <laughs> I don't in dabble. such nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. It'd be sad. Yeah. And, and I think but maybe um, I, mean, I still go watch like I still go watch animated movies. My favorite movie is. Freaking Zootopia from the last Zootopia year. Zootopia is real good. And a Lego Batman, which was unbelievably funny. Yeah. So funny that my face hurt a minute, so I think, an hour and it, in. And it was and very childish humor, but still very funny. Doesn't very mean funny. you can't enjoy it exactly. as an adult. Yeah. So I think if if somebody simply by virtue of getting older just loses their sense of humor then yes. and their desire to enjoy things, 
then that person specifically, we're definitely going to lose that person. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I think the I think for the average that person, person has lost themselves. Yeah, I think for the average person, <laughs> if they're going to be like that when they're fifty, they're probably already like that. They probably bit. they probably aren't playing our games just in general. Right. You know Let's talk about what we're doing for for Thanksgiving break. So I, you know, I, every year the whole idea is every year my wife and I sit down, we binge play a game. And we have it's to pick Thanksgiving. A, I it's mean. Thanksgiving. It's what you got to do. Yeah. It's about it's the season of binging. It's binge ween. So <laughs> that's between meat piece ween and Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe this is bingemus. 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 We're smacking into bingemus <laughs> right now. So uh, we we pick a game every year, and then we just we get snacks and put them on a tray. That's the only thing that's been adult about this is the fact that we're now in but a house. Have a tray, and I have a, I bought a tray. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go buy a tray tomorrow, dude. Yeah. I bought you a tray. I bought you a tray for your. We're already using that opening. one. Now, see, as a, we as need, a we're already <laughs> using that tray. We need a, we need a, we need a tray that doesn't already have stuff on it. Mm. You know. So the difference is when you're a, when you're a wee lad or lass during bingemas, you just take a like a a big bag of Reese's and you yep. throw them on your desk and you just stuff your face while yep, you play video games. Sound pretty good. And then though. maybe your parents are like, "Hey, you need to go do some stuff." And you're like, eh, "And your parents you have are like, to go." Your parents are like, "You need to grow up." And you're like, "That right? I'll, let me do that." And you get a tray and you cut up a nice sort of veggie platter. Dino made a shark couture, and then board. you throw that away and put some meat on it. <laughs> then you put some meat on there. Then yep. you take that to your desk and you eat off. And you the put tray. some fucking brie on that meat, mm-hmm. and then maybe some apple slices on top of the so, brie on top so of the, the meat. combo. <laughs> the combo yesterday. Or uh, one of the combos. We had a charcuterie board and Cheetos. <laughs> and then the cookies that I had made later on, uh, as well as some delicious nacho bean chips. Yep. That we got from this Home is, Goods. This on is sale. like legit adulthood, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you put that you put that shit on a tray because you're an adult. Then you yeah. binge play video games. <laughs> and then you binge play video games. And and I think it's it's one of those things where it's like is it just a ridiculous thing to do? Yes, it's obscene. But, but you know what? But is it though? Life it's is ridiculous so and obscene. Yeah, you get to do it once a year. You know, it's fun. I just do it whenever I want. Yeah. But I, I like I like the the second part of Giant Masquerade's question, which is how do you stay in touch with the youths? You know, as you get older. Listen, I just don't. It's their job to stay in touch with us. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna keep doing our thing, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I think with that attitude, it won't be good. Whatever, whatever it is. I no. mean, that, I, honestly, that's been our attitude so far. It's worked out. Okay. No, yeah, we, we don't. But aren't we the We youths? just make stuff that we would I like. Know. I feel like an old person. I, I think like person. we just make stuff that we would like. And whoever likes it, likes it. Some of them will, will be youths. Some of them will be, you know, middleies. That's middleies. People in middleies. the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I go to bed at like 10 p.m. Uh-huh. I, watch, yep. I watch baking shows. Yep. Choose some Valerian root. I, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had some some friends asked to go out at like eleven thirty p.m. on Saturday. What? What are they? That's exactly. High schoolers? Are you fucking insane? No. <laughs> I got stuff to do on Sunday. Mainly binge on this video game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that, an adult. I was an adult. Gotta protect I, one my of my time. favorite comics I've ever seen was there's this person laying on the ground and somebody comes in like, "Hey, what are you doing?" The person on the ground is like, "Nothing." And then the standing person is like, you want to go catch a movie? The person on the ground is like, I said I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah. You got to respect, you got to respect the nothing time. Why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the, the other point is like, so we, we've, we've deliberately not tried to keep up in terms of uh, adoption of stuff like, you know, the various tech trends. So Snapchat, Instagram. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're, Twitter, we're basically actually. old people with that stuff. They were like, nah. Memes. I can't keep up with the memes. I also can't keep up with the, now because of Twitter stuff, the rapidly evolving uh, 
uh, language and slang. Mm, like yeah. some, sometimes, like basically once a month, I'll pop onto the internet and somebody will, be, will use a word that I've literally <laughs> never seen before. Yep. And everybody else seems to know what that word means. Or just in a weird context. Like the first time I heard yep. salty and thirsty, but this was like a, within a month period. And I was like, I don't, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think importantly, we already had words for those things. You know, yeah, but they're not. It's like not as bitter, fun. bitter and horny. Were the, <laughs> were the two words for those? But it's not. As but fun, now, but now know? I can't go. Well, I'm thirsty. I need to grab a glass of water yep. because now all of a sudden it's a euphemism, and I'm just actually thirsty. Yep. You know. I guess are you, part, but are you yeah. using that word as the euphemism both times that you said it? <laughs> yeah. I'm thirsty. <laughs> I'm thirsty for this glass of water. <laughs> Yeah, so like real tall. You know, okay. we had we had words for those. Uh, we didn't need, but it's fun to make up words. We make up words all the time. Yeah, that, that, that's we a just little too much. Yeah, no, but this is different stance. because salty and thirsty already were words. Nobody made them up. Nah, Somebody man. stole them and repurposed them. And how, I mean, that but is, that is usually how words are used in their context. I think this is, this is why it's also so hard to learn stuff because anytime somebody invents a concept, they don't make up a new word for it almost ever. Instead, they take some word that has a metaphorical similarity to mm. that thing, and then they're like, "Yeah, let's just let's just use that one in this context." Which then it causes endless confusion because people are like, "But this already means something, right?" It's and so it's having having to be able to completely forget the other meaning of that word in that right. context. Mm. But I, I do agree that with thirsty though, that is a particular problem. I think it's, it's probably a, one of the best. <laughs> it's one of the best euphemisms I think I've ever heard. It's hilarious. I just wish it wasn't such a common word. I know. It's you know difficult. that. Yeah. Anyways, if if maybe in the future, oh, actually, because I never say thirsty anyway. I always just say I need some water. I don't know why. Uh, well, now you have to. Now you don't <laughs> yeah. even have an option. <laughs> like, wow, Adam is very forward about this. I, you know, I was, think, I was thinking about sort of the the follies of time travel. All right. If you were to if you were to jump ahead in time, like now fifteen years, oh yeah, you'd be very confused. Only, if you, only if you got on the internet, though. Well, yeah. I was I was thinking about this because of our uh, China launch, mm -hmm. and uh, and sure, who was in charge of managing all of the localization and marketing and stuff like that, because he speaks Chinese and he's from China and he knows the culture and everything, and he was bringing up all these these sort of cultural memes that are going on over there and trying to find ways to use like the things that are currently popular, the kinds of things people are talking about as different like marketing angles for launching Crashlands over there. And uh, because it's just a, it's a separate culture, but you know, in terms of geography and language, they've got their own thing going on. Mm -hmm. And the kinds of things that he was talking about that are currently like trending and popular, which are only going to be popular for like six months and then they'll disappear. Right just like any other memes and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's stuff that is incomprehensible unless you know sort of like the full sequence of backstory right. and cultural sort yep. of references that build up to it. So I was thinking, if you were to jump ahead 15 years, even in your own country, yeah, you'd, be in a you'd just be weird soup. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what has happened in the past 15 years? Like Game of Thrones, you know, that, has, mm -hmm. that, that came up. iPhones. A few years even. Yeah. Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, like mm -hmm. all these things never existed 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And now they're just defining everything. Yeah. So you'd wake up and you'd be like, what in the fuck is going on? <laughs> so, all right. Next question comes from Rampandapus, who says, in episode 122, you discussed the increasing player toxicity in multiplayer games. Mm -hmm. Is the percentage of toxic players the same with a larger player base making the problem look worse? Or is the percentage of toxic players increasing? 
So I if think the latter, why? The other way, well, the other way to frame this is it really is a question of is toxicity contagious, right? Because if it is at all, and given that if, if any of you have gone to school before, then you know that it is. Yeah. If any of so, you have been around other people before, <laughs> then you know that. As soon as somebody shows up in a bad mood. Yes. Yeah, so this, this, this is where I get at where I don't think it's the case that it's just the, it's just sort of the result of having a larger player base. I think it's, it is it is the case that these do go hand in hand because, of course, the more people you put in a system, the more likely it is that someone's having a bad day. And the more acceptable it was. And the acceptability of it, I guess, becomes a, uh, a self-reinforcing thing. Right. Well, and I think if, if you think about this, uh, if toxicity is contagious, then it simply just needs avenues to spread through. Mm-hmm. And it is the case that compared to, say, 10 years ago, um, there's just a lot more points of digital connection between people. Right. So there's YouTube comments, there's Reddit, there's Twitter, there's Facebook. Well, it's almost like anything you do that you put up, for some reason there's a comment. Right? Someone's so got a shit on it, and there's yeah. always a comment box. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you can turn them off. Like You can turn a lot of them off. But um, but then people are like, what are you hiding? Yeah, people yeah. are like, why do you want me to talk? Why are you trying to censor me? And it's like, because you're a bunch of dicks. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I don't need this in my life. You should be censored. Nobody needs this. Yeah, it seems perfectly reasonable. I, I do think it's actually the case that given, given that- Not by uh, the government, though, just to be clear. Correct, yeah. Given that toxicity tends to be uh, contagious behavior, I don't think it's the case that it's just a result of a larger player population. Um, I do think it's the case that uh, the games industry in particular has not actually taken it upon itself as a duty to... Well, I think the, the internet as an entity. The, industry, the internet certainly has not. I mean, if you look at the like the slowness of either Twitter or Facebook to react to any sort of abuse allegations. Yeah. Like, it's just hilarious how, how inept the whole system is as far as actually thinking about and then working uh, to, to solve these well, problems. And then entities like Reddit purposely, just intentionally allowed... Mm-hmm really, really fucking horrible toxic communities right. to exist on the platform because they wanted to be agnostic about what it actually means to be a, to be bad. Correct. So they're just like, we're, like, we're, we're, not, we're, making for we're not making value judgments. And then yep. a bunch of Nazis show up and they're like, uh, I guess we'll just leave this here. <laughs> I yeah. guess now we gotta, <laughs> gotta take this. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, that's one of those weird things. I, I remember, uh, I think there's this book called a, Com- a commercial's guide to getting ahead. And he talks about judging stuff. And he says, quit trying to not judge things. The reason that you exist is to judge whether or not things are good or bad for you, for you, those around you, whatever else. And not judging is just copping out. You're just not doing your part to actually. Well, but I think actually this is an interesting system. problem because a big part of the problem is the judging, is the judging yep. by the wrong people. Right. So basically yep. people who run the platform are refusing to judge yes. the people who use it. Meanwhile, judgment. the people who are using the platform are judging fucking everything mm-hmm. indiscriminately and generally uh, angrily. Mm-hmm. So this kind of reminds me. I did so. I did an experiment um, in Eve Online where I just flew. Oh, yeah. I just flew around. I was like, I wonder what the community is like. Just prepare yourself. Yeah, I got three guesses, but go ahead. Yeah. So all negative. So I was like. <laughs> Well, because because basically you've got you've got sort of three general categories. You could be like positive, negative, or indifferent, mm-hmm. right? And so I I I just grabbed, took a bunch of in-game currency that I had lying around, and I flew around from from solar system to solar system, each of which has its own compartmentalized chat, which is referred to as local chat. I was like, I'm just going to go from system to system and just ask everybody how they're doing. And the first person to respond, no matter what they say, I'm just going to give them ten million isk. 
Amazing. So like 10 million buckaroonies. Yeah. Which is, it's not a ton of money in the game, but especially if you're a newer player, that's enough to get like 10 cheap ships, you know? So it's like, it's a good little, you know, little package. When you say no matter what they say, does it include if they're being a dick? Yeah. So, so, well, I, I want to understand the whole, I want to understand the whole rationale behind this strategy before you tell, before you tell me what happened. So, so I basically, I had two, I had two things I wanted to experiment with. Okay. So one was just, what's the basic response? Do people respond? Yep. And the second is, if I just do a good deed for that person, what's their follow-up? Just right. to kind of see. Because uh, how people respond to just like general, you know, casual niceness and as well as generosity. Yep. So uh, so I found that um, about about 80% of, of places I went, I went to 100 different okay. systems. That's pretty good. So about 80% of them, them, nobody said a word. But I'd just be like, hey guys, how's it going? Like, you guys having a good evening? And there would be, you know, a pretty good number of people in there and just crickets. Mm -hmm. I'd usually wait about three to five minutes, then I'd move on. Okay. So, uh, and then uh, the remainder was about, I think, about 18 people responded positively. They were just like, oh, great. How you doing? And I'd be like, cool. And then the last couple, people were just outwardly angry. So she'd be like, hey, how's it going? And one guy's just like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) And then I gave him a bunch of money. And then, and then, and then he sent me a direct message and he was like, what's, what is this? And I was like, oh, I'm just doing a thing where I'm just flying around and chatting people up and whoever responds, I just give them money. And he's like, but I was mean. And I was like, I don't care. It's fine. You know? And he's like, well, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, he's just very disoriented. That by is the, the weirdest exchange. one though. Cause and we talked about this in the past too, because this is a, this is a common thing that we saw with the beast catch ID random friend system. Mm-hmm. Was that, and by common, I mean, like, it's barely used, and we saw this a bunch of times. So, the proportion is stupidly high, that somebody would get randomly paired up, intent on purpose, they would voluntarily go into the random friend finder pool, but get paired up with somebody, and the first and only message they would send was just something mean. It mm-hmm. Usually just fuck you. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so this is the same, this is exactly the same as what this, what this yeah. guy did. Just, you just say hello, and this guy's <laughs> response is fuck you. Yep. It's, it's the weird, it's the... It's something that More than only, anything the, else, only I, the internet and being in New York City makes yeah. possible. <laughs> but what, like, what is it about a person that makes that their response? That is because I find that more baffling than anything. Yeah, like because, what's going on with that person? Yeah, because if you're like if you're, I would understand it if it was like a super racist and they're seeing somebody who they just hate as a as a category, right? Sure. Like obviously, I don't understand that and and that that's acceptable. But I would get what has just happened. But when it's completely anonymous, you don't know anything about anything. Somebody just says hi. <laughs> and you and you're, just. And you're, the, way that, the way that your brain responds to that is hot, was just with hostility. I find that more incomprehensible than almost anything about people. And people are pretty fucking weird. <laughs> but I think it's, it's the anonymity thing. But why would that? But just because, because you're Think anonymous. about how much more interesting it is. To, when someone says to hello to people, you, basically to say fuck you back. As <laughs> I guess I don't, I, just, I don't even find it interesting. It's just weird, you know? Conflict yeah. is exciting. It's you know, so it's thrilling. <laughs> What's going to happen? Well, so I, do I, this, I do this whenever I play League now. You can't give anybody uh, money or anything, but whenever I hop into a game, I always, so I basically, I try to seed it with some positivity. Yeah. So before the game starts, chat with people in the lobby, just like, hey, how's your, how's your day going? And yeah, it's about half the time actually no one says anything. Yeah. Well, and I also found that, that when I, so I, I did a second round the next day where I switched tactics where I just called people out specifically. So like instead mm. of just like, hey, everybody, how's it yeah. going? I would just pick a person and ask them how it's going. So you get rid of the bystander. Yeah, and almost every single time they re- they responded, and they responded positively. Right. Which was interesting. Mm. 
So, uh, yeah. What does it mean? I don't know, but, but I do, I, yeah, I do think that platforms have uh, an obligation. I think about things like steam where their forums are, are utter garbage, Yeah, but their reviews are pretty good because people can, Mm -hmm. people can put a little marker on there saying like, this was a helpful review. Like this was funny or whatever. And they're always positive things, right? No, people can report negative review or uh, sort of like offensive reviews or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're not always positive reviews. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You can review a game <laughs> negatively. That's fine. Um, Just do it constructively. But if you do it helpfully, then when you go look at a game, it's going to show you the most helpful reviews, right? right? Which is, means people actually put some thought into it and weren't just being angry. Um, unless there's only like 10 reviews, in which case you're just going to see all the garbage. So um, this was actually something back when we were trying to plan out what the Crashlands creator might look like. When we talked about how would we curate, because this was actually, it's a huge hurdle, which is we we can't actually just put up a thing that allows people to create content. Yeah, we don't feel good about that. Just letting you make whatever yeah, you want. Without without some heavy amount of moderation and intervention, um, that's still an unsolved problem. Yeah, but anyways. Yep. We um, probably need an algorithm that just looks for any penis-shaped... <laughs> thing that somebody could have made this was you know? something we've that, talked about that the yeah. lego universe lego universe a team, yep. there's a team a team of, to, of dick scrubbers yep <laughs> they go into the game and they find all the dicks they had well they had to engineer it they had to engineer a thing that could identify dick shapes right built out of 3d blocks yep in like a minecraftian world <laughs> yep. v- uh not vector voxel dicks yeah they had to find all the voxel like, dicks. What? Yeah. what? So, that, so that means that means some really smart person spent a large chunk yes. of their human life coming up with an algorithm to detect 3D voxel based. Yeah. What could that person which, have done? Which, yeah. to be fair, I think actually probably that technology could be used on many of their. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but always for the same reason. Yeah, because that's the one thing you need yeah. to get rid of all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, I was just seeing an article where some some uh, pilot flew a flight path that was the shape of a dick for like cancer awareness or something and people got really upset about it for, like, for cancer awareness. <laughs> There's some kind of a, like a, a tracking app that you can use like for, uh-huh. for uh, like running. Right. Oh, and yeah. he like, he flew a plane using the tracking app and it, like he drew the shape of a dick in the, <laughs> on the map that we then shared with people. It was like a huge dick, like 50 miles long. Uh, and for to raise like testicular cancer awareness or something. Nah. People got mad about it. People got pretty mad about it. It would have been so. better if he just drew like an upside down heart, you know, because mm. that basically looks like balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but not, not, a, not a sort of anatomically correct heart. Yeah, yeah. more like the symbol of the, the symbol heart. of yeah. the heart. Yeah. Our next question comes from Kulibula. You guys are going to Uruguay. How do I get you to Ireland? Do you like Guinness? Mm, so. Who doesn't? Yes, and if there's a game conference over there that, that we pay, can, will pay us to go. Way. Yeah, I am a thirty under thirty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something, something. Man, man, sweet, the pot. Yeah, no, I think well, part of our strategy here is we we don't know what it means to go to a conference and talk in a different country and what that sort of. Well, I think importantly, what, what it means it for us. Yeah, yeah. Because as as much as we like to be altruistic, we do like to because these things take a lot of time to yeah. prepare for. And we don't necessarily want to go do these things and then come away with nothing Mm -hmm. in terms of like connections or, you know, whatever. Um, So that is important that we feel like there's some kind of a uh, value that we can then Mm -hmm. use going forward from doing these things. Yeah, this is our first one as far as this whole. Our first international. Our first international one. So, uh, you know, I hope it ends up being useful in some way that we just... You know, we come away from it. We're like, that was good. That was a good thing to do. You know, 
Uh, and we're doing it such that we're, we're trying to contain the, the overall sort of, uh, I guess, the collateral work that's required in like Thanksgiving break and some of this other stuff so that it's not so heavy in terms of uh, studio impact. But they are, yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing to try to, it sounds like you just go do it. If someone offered you, we had one, so we got offered to go to Singapore as well to go give a talk, but you know, we, we don't know what they're for or the value. And so the idea of just sort of arbitrarily saying, okay, yeah, we'll take a week out and also prepare a talk for a week. Yeah. It's not just hopping on a plane. And then yeah. And then probably back. be sick for a week afterward. Um, yeah. yeah. We also had to get immunized. So we had, you yeah, know, like going go to Uruguay, you know, we got to, we got to check the, like, what is it? The CDC, CDC website, travel see info. what kind of travel advisors there are. It's like, yep. Typhoid. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a thing there that we don't really have here. So got to go shots. get, get our shots, uh, pay for that, get stabbed. Yeah. Prepare the talk, fly it out, get sick with something else anyway. Yeah. Well, I think it's <laughs> part of it is it's not, uh, I think part of it when I, when I was younger and I think in college too, is always wanting to, wanting to sort of almost that quote unquote get paid to travel thing. We're like, Oh yeah, if you get really good at something, it'll you know take you to conferences or whatever else. Um, and that's cool. But the reality is that it does take away from your actual, the work that you do that makes it possible for people to be interested in, for example, flying you to another country. Yeah, so, yep. so way to think about it is like, whatever our release date ends up being for scuffle buddies, it could have been a week earlier if we yep. hadn't gone to Uruguay. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully it's, worth it. <laughs> hopefully it's worth it. Right. And that's, that's how it always is. So if we go to Ireland again, be about a delayed scuffle yep. buddies by a week. Yep. If we so, went, if we go to five conferences, that's a, or six conferences, that's like a month and a half mm-hmm. delay. So hopefully oh. the whole studio has a, has enough money lying around for that. Cause Otherwise, that's bad. Exactly. Okay, and that's actually that's part of the offset of the cost too. Like if you're if you're thinking of having having the trip paid for, so like you know you don't have mm-hmm. to pay out of pocket to go to a conference or something. Yeah, the studio is still burning. The studio money. is still burning a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and way more burning. than it costs us to go. Or that right. we're getting paid to go right. there. So there's actually still a huge deficit um, in financial right. terms on, in terms of impact on the studio in the short term. So the question is, is there a long term value that offsets that cost? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a financial one. It could also be a personal one or you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be other kinds of value you get out of it, um, but, but there has to be a pretty substantial. Yeah, benefit. it's got it's got to make up for the high for the high high cost of doing it. Right. So that's that's where we're at on that. We'll see what we'll see what shakes out. Maybe so we'll yeah, I mean, if you want us to come to Ireland, I think anywhere from two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars billion dollars per day. Yep, that's that's the per diem uh, of the of the uh, ideally the upper end of that. Mm-hmm. You know, during the conference. Um, and then of course our plane tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we, we require having a plane bought for us. Well, the bought, thing is, uh, and then to, we'll just throw it away afterwards. I think when, when we were getting started, we went a one-time just plane. a disposable plane. Yeah. When we were getting started, I thought it was uh, sort of like weirdly uppity for people to want money for coming to a conference or something like that. Because I think I didn't realize. You mean to come give a talk? Yeah, to come give a talk. Yeah. Uh, we when we were organizing some of the St. Louis game dev stuff, of course we wanted to invite big speakers to come, but quickly realize that you just can't, you can't get people to come for no reason, essentially. And especially be like, Hey, can you, you just come over here, pay your way and all that? Yeah. Can you just spend an exorbitant amount of time and money? Yeah. And, and that, I think that's what it was. <laughs> didn't, didn't quite realize that there's, there's actually some math going on here that, that makes it uh, kind of hard to justify in a lot of ways. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Altruism alone can't really. doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. Because yeah. of. You still got to pay bills. Because that's the world we live in. Yep. Yeah. Our next question comes from Sly Fox Glove, cool. who says, Thank you, the bros, for all the hard work on your games. They've inspired me to make my own gaming journey. Game-making journey, not gaming. They're different. I was hoping you would explain why Game Maker has been your choice of programming software. Any pros and cons to other software you have used? Um, so this is a pretty straightforward question, but it's basically, 
know the strengths and weaknesses of the tools that you have available to you. And in our case, uh, we had, when we first started, especially we had two people Mm -hmm. and, uh, Sam couldn't do most art things. So we thought 2d was going to be the easier thing because 3d is much more technical, um, and requires good sort of texture work. So, uh, so we used game maker because it just at the, at the time, and we still believe this is true, is just the best 2d game development engine that there is. Um, it opens up a lot of doors and it's very fast to use. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we had used unity for eight months sort of before we started, uh, butterscotch, but, uh, it's, it's at the time. And I still think this is true. It's 2d was weak as shit compared to game maker. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's, that was just basically it. We were making 2d games and game maker was the best thing uh, to do that. So that's about it. Yep. You guys have any other nah. thoughts? Nope. Um, I will say, uh, do your own research on tools because m- people out there on the interweb avoid the flame wars. Yeah, people t- people pick a tool and they're really passionate about it, and uh, they also don't understand most other tools, and then they they shit on them. They also right? don't understand context dependency or nuance. Yeah. So, for example, yes. Game Maker is really easy to pick up because it has an optional drag and drop interface. So you can just code in Game Maker if you want, but it has a drag and drop interface that's designed for non programmers. So uh, a lot of sort of like first time games come out of Game Maker for like kids or people who are just picking up mm-hmm. game development, which means by definition, there's a lot of really bad games that come out yeah, of well, Game Maker. They're just amateur. People I mean, are just like, learning, yeah. right? That doesn't mean that the tool is bad and that doesn't mean that the tool is not capable of doing all kinds of amazing things. And in fact, it is uh, capable of all kinds of stuff. It's just what the tool is used for on average. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so usually when we talk to people and we say that we use Game Maker, they're first surprised and then they follow up with something like, isn't that like a tool for beginners? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, yeah, it is. Um, But also Also it's for for professionals. professionals. (laughs) and of course, Unity doesn't have this problem because it's a lot less accessible to beginners mm-hmm. and non-programmers. And so people tend to develop games in Unity who have a little bit more chops. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but also I think you can, because of the just drop-in components and stuff that you can put into something like Unity, uh, so like, you know, 3D, 3D things that already look cool and, and stuff, um, you can get away with doing a really bad job and have it still look technically cool, which you cannot do this is kind of the joke with, with Unreal because Unreal Engine yeah, is right. so beautiful that you just make, you, you can, can make some fucking spheres in there. Oh my God. It's, it's look so gorgeous. Awesome. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the, the overall sort of screenshot ability on day one is just higher. So yep. yeah, it really does depend on what you want. And then with regard to 2D and Unity, I mean, if you're, if you're going to start doing weird stuff like, you know, uh, mesh deformations and other interesting things that you actually can't do in Game Maker still, um, then Unity is the way to go. Essentially, if you're, if you're doing 2D, but you're treating it like 3D, then you need to do it in Unity. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. that is true. So that's the, it's one of those things where it's like we, you know, if if there's a time where we want to go into that category, we will switch. If there's a time where we want to go into 3D, we'll pick one of the 3D engines that's around there. Yeah, we're going to use whatever tool is best, and we've been very loyal to Game Maker, not because of blind loyalty, but because they make Good a tool. really great tool for 2D development. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if we if we switch that up to 2D, unfortunately. You know, we, we wouldn't be using Game Maker, but I think, you know, even, you know, and we're, we're uh, friends with the Yo-Yo Games team who makes Game Maker. Um, you know, they wouldn't hold it against us because that's yeah. not what their tool is for, right. you know. So it's just the way it is. 
Uh, I so we have time for one final. But also, oh, yeah, don't fight your tool. So once you make a decision, figure out what it is you're trying to accomplish. Pick a tool that can do that. Play to the strengths of it. And then play to the strengths of it. When you when you uncover a weakness, given what you're trying to accomplish versus what the tool can do, your best move is going to be try to do something different mm-hmm. instead or find some workaround. Don't, don't just battle those things because your biggest time sink when you're using a framework or an engine or whatever uh, that somebody else has made that solves most of your problems for you is that if you set out to solve a different problem that it hasn't done for you already, it's going to be really fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is, this is the enormous strength something like unity has is there are so many add-ons and things in their, in their enormous marketplace that allow you to basically add kind of just about any functionality you could want. Um, and so, so there's a lot of stuff that even if it is really weird, you might be able to find a workaround for uh, that isn't part of the engine. But in any case, if that doesn't already exist, don't fight it. Just do something else. Do something else. Use your brain. Come up with something clever to do. Well, this is why it drives me insane when somebody says, I have to make my own game engine because the engines out there don't do the thing that I require. It's like, that is absolute bullshit because they do basically everything. And if the thing that you're trying to do is so specific that just to do that one thing, you have to build a thousand things. You're just doing the wrong damn thing. (laughs) You know? My God. All right. Unless it's so awesome. Like so spectacular, like nope, awesome of a thing. Isn't. It's not. I'm just guarantee. I mean, it, it, it isn't. It's not. But <laughs> but if but if it is though, if you're if you're the one in a million person who both thinks that it is and it actually is, then you know, man, make your own engine. But, but err on the side of caution. But even then, err on the side. Of caution. <laughs> <laughs> even then, don't. even then, don't. Because the amount of time that you would have spent to make that one thing happen, you know, you could have made a thousand other things happen. All right, so uh, I want to hit one final, real quick question. What you got? It's, it's a quick shot. By Blue Lucario, who says, what are the keyboards you use? I want one like y'all's. I'm that mm. much a fan. So I think in the Crashlands documentary, we showed the oh, keyboards. Yeah. yeah. So we have a few of them. We have the, the Corsair mechanical keyboard. Corsair K57, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This, is a, this is a beefy keyboard. It is, uh, it is on an upper price tier. Like 120 bucks or something? Yeah. I think it's like 150 so I, I had been, I had been using, uh, for the longest time, I had been using a $10 Microsoft keyboard. Gets the job done. Gets the job done. You can just get one from Walmart. And one day Adam was like, have you ever used a mechanical keyboard? Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I've, I've just used it. It's, this is like a salad problem. Yep. I was right. like, what's a mechanical, I've, <laughs> I've just used a keyboard. I don't know what the big deal is. I, at home at this time, I was using a DOS keyboard. Which is, is that a mechanical? It's a mechanical, mechanical oh, keyboard. Oh yeah, DAS, DAS, and yeah. it had and mine have mine is jet black with no no. Hey, Adam uh, doesn't have any letters. There aren't any letters. <laughs> on yeah, it. Adam has it's like a the stealth bomber version of a keyboard where it's <laughs> yep. completely black, no lights, no anything, no it's no letters on the keys. Just pure black, just a bunch of stealthy, mm-hmm. it's, but it's mechanical. Yep. So it, it clacks, it like clicks and clacks. Really good. Out. Yeah. So, but I, my. I've been coming around more to this idea of recognizing the the pieces of equipment or the things that you use the most and being okay with saving up mm-hmm. and spending on getting a really good quality version of that thing. So like underpants. Sure. All yeah. right. Socks. I Socks. I thought I thought yeah, underwear, you know, you go to Walmart or what or Target or something and you grab one of those bags that has it's like, like 10 for a dollar. It's like whatever. $10 or 10, 10 undies undie pants. Mm-hmm. You get a, to spend a dollar and then you go home and you just get to be uncomfortable, but that's just how underpants are, right? <laughs> I recently upgraded, went to Marshalls, spent I think $6 for a for a three pack. 
I think it's slightly less, slightly more expensive. Yeah. They're Reebok ones. Reebok. They're like sportswear. It feels like more pajamas. Yeah. So, you, I mean, but it's okay to just like go find other things and try to try to find those Reeboks mm-hmm. find those. I'm wearing me undies, mm-hmm. which I never would have considered paying this much for underpants. Mm-hmm. But I, so I bought one pair just to be like, we'll see. And then I immediately bought 10 more pairs. <laughs> um, because I was like, oh, this is what's possible. This is what it's possible to feel like. Yeah. So we, we use those Corsairs for the, for the keyboards because of course, if you're typing a lot, you just, it's sort of a nice, it is definitely, it's a luxury experience, right? Well, the way, I, the way I look at it is like, board. if you yeah. are a person who uses your computer as your profession, that's your tool. Mm-hmm. Like that's your, that's your interface through which you do your work, right? And you want to have a good tactile experience. You want to have a good ergonomic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about it should be, you sh- it should be satisfying and easy to use and should, you shouldn't be battling it the whole yeah. time. On that, so, so I don't use a mechanical keyboard at work. Mm-hmm. I use a Lenovo, like old school ThinkPad style keyboard with a little nubbin in the middle for a mouse. mouse. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't like taking my hands off of home. Home row. The home row. That's that's where you live. As a live. programmer, that's where my hands live. <laughs> so every time I have to use a mouse and take my hand off or use a trackpad and, you know, move my hand down. It's just enraged. Uh, I'm just, it's just bad. It's a bad programming experience. And so, so mostly I just use short keyboard shortcuts anyway, so I just don't have to. But, you know, the mouse is a convenient fucking tool, so mm-hmm. you got to use it. So I use the one with a nubbin so that I can just move my finger over, you know, about half of a centimeter. And then Now, if there was a mechanical around. keyboard that had a nubbin, would you use that? Probably, yeah. Yeah. What I want is I want a keyboard that has like uh, like mouse balls on the bottom of it. Oh, and then I could just slide it? the keyboard. Yeah. And then the click, you just click on the left or right side. Yeah, you side. just push down on the whole there was There was a, <laughs> I was actually looking into, because I wanted a more ergonomic keyboard experience, you mm-hmm. know. So I was, I was looking into this. And there, there is one this really cool thing that's so expensive that I... It's like $600 or well, something. Well, it's $300. Bucks. $300. But yeah, it's expensive enough that I'm like... I, I, what does it mean? I decided not to do it at that time, but I'm going to revisit this in the future. Uh, but it's this... It comes in two parts. And Wait, it's, is this like the U-shaped one that stands it's, uh, up? Yeah, it's got like little stands on it and stuff. And so and, and, and so you can you can kind of tilt both halves however you want and put them wherever you want. And so it's, it's kind of the, like piloting a mech, you know, you can yeah, right. get in there. Right. <laughs> but it also has like 32 programmable layers or something in that you can just toggle between which of the keyboard layouts you want. Mm. So, so you can just change the layout according to what program you're using. And, and, and so you can just basically, so like if you have, you can have an Inkscape mode, for example, where everything is wired up to some specific combination of keys or mm. something. And so it's is very, but so then instead of, instead of hitting like control Q or something, you just you hit one letter, just hit one letter. Right. And it would, and it would do all that for you because you've macroed it. Yeah. So it's basically like a macro generator. So like, it's like, like it sounds so fucking cool that I kind of, but, but also over the top because for me as a programmer, I really just need, I just need to keep, well, my, I don't also, need to program. Also my experience with those kinds of things. So I had a, uh, a razor Nostromo, which is this weird thing that you can put like under your left hand it has like a bunch of arrows and, and buttons about your thumb it's busy for gaming it's like it's, it's for like gaming. a hotkey device yeah and then it has sort of like a WSD layout like WSD 1 2 3 4 5 kind of a layout and then a couple of like shift keys for your pinky so using this thing you can generate like 90 different key like hotkey combinations and stuff mm-hmm. so for MMOs or games that require a lot of keys you can bind stuff up problem is what happens if you go somewhere else? Yeah. yeah. That's actually my Now you got to bring this thing. It's the same with learning like the Dvorak 
mm-hmm. keyboard, you know? Like, the moment you get off of that, you, you, you just can't type anymore. Yeah. Well, that's actually why, it's part of the reason why I really like just sticking to the mouse and keyboard for, yep. uh, for Inkscape. It's portable. Yeah, there's always going to be a mouse and keyboard somewhere. I don't somewhere. need a Cintiq. Yeah. I don't need a tablet. I just literally need a mouse. I can do it with a trackpad, but it's horrible, but I can. Yeah. Back yeah. when back in the chemo days, Sam had a a, a $10 laptop wireless mm-hmm. mouse, and he would use it on the arm mm-hmm. uh, on the arm of the chair mm-hmm. and do art while getting a chemo drip. That's how portable yeah. that shit is. Yeah. And it is. I think there is something that to be said about having... Because you can get a lot of advantage out of having very specifically designed tools. But I think the advantage you there's get... fragility involved. Yeah, there's a fragility yeah. involved. So the advantage you get from just becoming really good at the tools that are ever present. This is also another argument for not making your own fucking game engine, right? Instead, mm-hmm. get really good at some tools that already exist out there. Uh, because now you don't have that fragility that happens once that tool goes away. Um, I, do, I do think that that's important. And I, and I think that was what I decided when I was looking at that keyboard is... It sounded really cool, yeah. but the, the cost that would come, aside from just the financial cost, but the cost that would come out of it, if I did get really good at it, would that would now be that I would suck at using a normal keyboard. Yep. And, and now if you're like, oh, time to go to a conference, let me throw my laptop in my bag and my weird keyboard pieces <laughs> yep. that yep. are programmed with 32 layers. What's the uh, multicolored yep. keyboard we have? The ones that Those are Razer something. Yeah. The Razer um, keyboards tend to be pretty good, and they're... They're middle range, and then they shoot light all over the place. Yeah, you can, you can program, program them so, like, when you when you press a letter, it sends like a ripple of light or something mm-hmm. cascading across the other keys. It's yeah. To me, that's a bad thing because that means it's constantly trying to distract you from what you're doing. Yeah, I don't just looking at the screen. Yeah, I don't like it. I like the I like the just general red light of the Corsair. Although I think I think the Corsair K57 now has programmable lights where you can change it from any, like it just stays a color. Or, or it'll very, very slowly cycle through colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the old ones are all just red, which is a kind of an aggressive yeah. you know, color. Yep. Um, but they also have like a volume slider, play, pause, stop, you know, like mm-hmm. all your media controls so you mm-hmm. can go through a playlist. Which is super nice, yeah. So that, that's, our, that's our, our hardware talk with Butterscotch <laughs> uh, segment. So all right, well, that's all the time we have. So thank you all for listening. We'd also like to thank our studio wrangler, Monique, and our producer, Fat Bar, for putting this episode together. And uh, we would normally thank the Beastgotcha dev team at this point. But they're, they're on vacation. On, we're on break yeah. right now. I don't even know where they are. <laughs> uh, they're probably all at the gym getting gains and stuff. So uh, also special thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord and forums running. And if you'd like to get more involved in the Scotch community, you can head on over to our discord server, which is at discord.gg slash Scotch. Come say, Hey, we'll be there. Maybe but we're on break. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, check out our shop at shop.bscotch.net. Like I said, we have a 10% off uh, sale going on on cyber Monday. So save your dollar bills and don't come into the Scotch shop on Monday. Also, if you'd like to adorn us with your swag, we have a mailbox. So if you'd like to send us something, head on over to mailbox.bscotch.net and you'll find the address there. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.